0: Well, I'm real excited to let all of you know we have, in addition to our family, a guinea pig. (laughs) We have the second guinea pig. Uh, And so, Cookie Dough is the name of the guinea pig. And uh, we're learning to be now a a family of six. So, uh, it's interesting. Hey, uh, anyone going to watch the uh, Super Bowl next week? Anybody? Okay, well, you don't have to. That's good to know. There's one in every group, so. So, some of you might be watching the Super Bowl, or uh, if you don't watch the Super Bowl, you watch the commercials, right? Or if you don't watch the commercials, you watch the halftime show, where we'll have this person. Who is this? Lady Gaga. She did a whole dress of Kermit the Frog. That's how creative she is. So we'll see what the halftime is. But she is quite an artist. But if you watch the game, one of the things that you'll find is that all of the guys that will be playing in the football game are amazingly talented athletes, and they're playing in the largest sporting event that. We have in our country. And some of the things that they'll do that particular day will take our breath away. Now, for several years, the Indiana Pacers, uh, who are great athletes as well, uh, the organization would have an open day where people could come and they could try out for the team. And it was a joke around our home that every time this day would come up, I would always tell Jen, The Pacers called me and uh, they need me to come down and try out. And uh, I never had a chance to do that, but uh, that was the joke. Now, I always fantasized of being a Pacers player. And some of you, especially if you're male and you watch the Super Bowl, uh, many of you will fantasize about being in that game. And most of us love that. Fascination, but there is one thing that most men are not interested in, and that is in paying the price that those pro athletes had to pay to get where they are now. So this week I did some reading on what a typical day, and week, and month, and year of a pro athlete is, and here are uh, a typical Monday. So a typical Monday at six o'clock they go to the training room. And breakfast, 7 o'clock they lift weights, 8 o'clock special teams, 9 team meeting, uh, uh, 10 to noon offensive and defensive meetings, 12.30 to 2 practice, 2 o'clock lunch, 3 o'clock media interviews, 4 o'clock offensive-defensive meeting, 5 o'clock dinner, and 6 p.m. most of the uh, uh, players will go through more game film at that point for two more hours, and then they'll leave from their complex around 8 o'clock. And each day of their particular week leading up to a game is very similar to this. And I found this interesting fact. All of them in their contract have a particular weight that they have to be at for the whole season. Every pound that they are not at that weight, they are fined $550. So let's think about it. You're a big lineman, you had a big game, Burger King, man. I just need Burger King. And then you get weighed on Monday, you're three pounds over. 1600 bucks, just like that, just for eating Burger King. Now, this is what will be interesting. On Super Bowl Sunday, many people will be watching that game, and they will be clueless about what it has taken for these athletes to actually get to that point. The average NFL lifespan is 2.3 years, is how long they last as a professional football player. And people who are watching this will not have any understanding whatsoever about the kind of discipline it takes to be an NFL football player. Now, today, we're talking about how do we get stronger in self control, or how do we get stronger in self discipline. And this concept of discipline is all through Scripture. From page one to the final page in Revelation, discipline is all a part of the process. In Proverbs 4.13, it says this, cling, in other words, grab onto, hold tight to discipline. And then it flips and it says this, don't ever relax your grip on it. Don't ever let it go. Keep it because it is your life. What this means is that it is critically important for you and I to have discipline because discipline actually can transform your life. It can change your life. If you'll cling to it, if you'll grab hold of it, and you never let it go. Now, there are lots of other passages of Scripture on discipline, but... The big idea, the definition I want you to get this morning is this. Doing the right thing regardless of how you feel in the moment. This is your first fill-in, so you can fill it in your program or on the app if you want to fill it in there. But this is the big idea. The definition of discipline is this. Doing the right thing regardless of how you feel in the moment. Now, I just experienced this on uh, Friday myself, and it dealt with my daughter Jordan. She came home. She had 18 long division problems. She said, Dad, I don't want to do it until later. And I said, no, 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 no. If you do it right now, even though it'll cause a little bit of pain now, and that's the whole thing, that it may cause a little bit of pain now, in the long term, there'll be so much more greater benefit. And she did the problems. Now let me ask you this. I bet some of you know some people in your life who are very disciplined. And maybe you respect them because they're disciplined in their exercise or in their diet. Maybe they're disciplined with uh, their work habits, or with finances, or with how they raise their children. Do you, do you respect these kind of people? You can just kind of shake your head, or no, I don't, you know. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Do you know someone who has very little discipline in their life? Do you respect them? Probably not so much. Now, I have a feeling that every single person here has at least one area of your life that you wish you were a little bit more disciplined in. So today, what we want to do is we want to talk about what is the heart of self-control? What is the heart of self-discipline? Well, here's the first concept that I want you to look at, and it's this concept of delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. A little pain now for a lot of pleasure and freedom later on. That's what I had to get across to Jordan when she was doing her division problems. Since it'll be a little bit of pain now, but you'll have the whole night to to do what you want, to watch TV, have fun, whatever. And that's a hard lesson to learn. This whole concept is this whole idea of do the difficult thing first principle. Have any of you ever heard that before? You you do the most difficult thing first. I think uh, I've shared uh, about my one uncle last week who was uh, pretty overwhelming. But today I want to talk about my other uncle. Both of their names are Phil. And my other uncle is on my dad's side. And for his whole life, he has been a saver. He was a bookkeeper at a construction company. He barely got through high school. He took a few bookkeeping classes. And when he started working there, he got a very meager salary. But early on, uh, he chose that he would save back close to 20% of his income. And that takes a lot of discipline, folks, especially once you have a family. But he just kept doing this year after year after year. And he was a very low bookkeeper, but he kept working his way up because of the discipline that he had in his life. Finally, one year came where they were going to sell the business. And my uncle had worked his way up to be the treasure of the entire construction company. And the guy put it out on the market and he was thinking that he was just going to sell it to uh, someone who would come in because it had grown to a multi-million dollar company at this point. And my uncle got with an attorney and he actually put a bid in for the company. And the boss was looking at him like, what are you talking about? I know what kind of house you live in. I know what kind of cars you drive. I know you're a miser. You're a cheapskate. There's no way. And he's like, no, 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 this is the bid. And he got the bid, and he owned the construction company. And he kept doing this over a period of time until he became a multi-multi-millionaire. And I'm still waiting, you know, until he kind of gives a little bit (laughs) to me. But, But now he's able to actually take that money and... He's generous to his family, and he and his wife have been able to travel the world. And, you know, I think of my uncle's story, and I think about delayed gratification, that early on he was saving back money for something that he could enjoy then in retirement. There's a picture I'm going to show you right now. This is the oldest couple uh, in our church. And I had the joy of uh, baptizing. Cool. This is uh, Gene and Marie Moody. And I had the joy of baptizing uh, Gene when he was eight years old. It was such a cool, cool day. And uh, Gene and Marie, last week, they celebrated 68 years of marriage. Okay? Yeah, very cool. Now... The reality is, I hate to say this to some of you, but some of you, you're not even going to live to be 68, okay? But they have. And so this week, I called Gene up, and I said, well, hey, Gene. I said, congratulations, you know, 68 years. And I said, man, you know, it's cool to have an easy marriage. And all of a sudden, he's like, easy. <laughs> he's like, this was not easy. I was like, oh, he's like, no, it's hard. And he talks about some of the struggles they went through. And about a son that they lost. And some of the big difficult things that the two of them went through very early on in their marriage, but they had this one word that they committed to at the very beginning, even in the most painful times, together. No matter what happens to us, no matter where we go, no matter what takes place, we will stay together. And They've done that. In fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was walking by the Jar Cafe, and the two of them were together, and they were smooching. And I said, you two need to go get a room, you know? <laughs> no, 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 I'm just joking. But Gene is from Tennessee, and you've got to watch those southern boys, because, hey, you've got to watch them, I'm just saying. Folks, this is the truth. Because Jean and Marie chose very early on in their marriage that we would stay together no matter what. However the struggles were that came, they were able to see the beautiful pleasure of their family, of grandchildren, great-grandchildren, an amazing kind of legacy. Last example. 2016, I'm confessing today, uh, 2016 was not the most disciplined year of my life when it came to, my quiet time with God. I don't know why it was, but I got away from that and there were many times in which I always spent time with God, but I would try to fit God into my schedule rather than making Him the priority of my schedule. And so if I had time here at 4 o'clock, I'd be like, okay, God, I got some time right here. I'll, I'll kind of fit you in. And each day, like I said, I spent with Him, but I was always worried of making him too much of a priority because I was afraid if I give all this time to God that somehow I wouldn't have enough to do all the important work of the church and getting all the things done that needed to get done. Well, a few weeks ago I told you that my uh, word for the year, and I challenge people to think of one word that would kind of guide them in the year. My word for the year was prune. And the very first thing... Yeah, I know. Some of you are like, uh, hey, I didn't choose the word. That's the word. And it's not pruned with a D, okay? It's prune. And the concept came to me that the first area, as I was praying about it, that God wanted to prune in my life was this lack of discipline that I had to put Him first. And so this was the thing I had to do. I get up an hour earlier, than I did in 2016. Now I want you to know this. I don't like to get up an hour earlier than I did in 2016. But the benefit of doing that has been so amazing. Proverbs 10.27 says this. Reverence for God adds... What's the next word? What is it? It actually adds hours to each day. How many of you, by a show of hands, would like to have some hours added to your day? You get to the end of the day, end of the week, yeah, look at that. Now, those of you that didn't raise your hand, why do we call them? Liars. Liars. That's right, you're a liar. All of us come to the end of the day, we're like, oh, if I just had a couple more hours, I could have done this or that or the other thing. Well, there's an answer for you. Reverence for God adds what? Hours to each day. Now, most of us, we think the solution is this. If I just had a few more hours, I would get a whole lot more done. And God says this. No, that's not it. You don't need more time in your day. You need more of me in your day. And he says, when you put me more into your day, you'll have hours added to your day. And I can tell you since the first of the year, I've never been more efficient with my time management than I have in 2017. And it's because reverence for the Lord adds hours to your day. Okay, so do you think you have delayed gratification? Everybody good? Got it? All right, here's the second one. When you want self-control, self-discipline at the heart of it, what is it? Well, it's delayed gratification. Secondly, it's advanced decision-making. Advanced decision-making. Quick question. What is the absolute worst time to go to the grocery store? Exactly, when you're hungry. I mean, if you're hungry and you're going there, I mean, you will take things that are not bolted down. You know, it just all comes into your package, no matter what. You'll take that cart, and pretty soon you got Pop-Tarts and Doritos and ice cream, and you mix it all together, and you're like, ah, this is what I need. Now I read some studies this week that people that go to a grocery store hungry are 20 to 30% more likely to spend more money than if they went before they actually ate. Another question. When is the absolute worst time to decide you're only going to have one more drink? When you've already had 3 drinks. No! Yes! Some of you are like, what? He, I, I, no. You don't wait till after three drinks and then go, oh, I'm just going to have one more. No. You decide it before you ever take the first drink. The idea of advanced decision making is this concept that if you wait until drink three, then you're not at the best frame of mind to make a decision. The whole idea is this especially if you're a Christ follower, whenever you have to make decisions, small decisions, big decisions, in between decisions, you actually get some time alone. You pull out God's Word, the Bible. You open it up. You read. Maybe you take a couple of notes. And you have a sound mind and you say, I want to be totally surrendered to you right now, God. And then that's when you make, the key decisions of your life, because then you're in the best state of mind. You don't make decisions, folks, in the heat of the moment. You don't make your best decision when you're at a weakened state. For example, some of you in this place are what I call recreational shoppers. You'll laugh later on. Um, Recreational shoppers. You know what a recreational shopper is? A recreational shopper is a person who's sitting at home and they go, I'm so bored. I'm like way out there, dude. I am bored. I've been cooped up in this house. I need to do something. And so this is what they do. They go to the mall. And they stop shopping. They shop till they drop. Now to be honest with you folks, this has never made sense to me. I'll try not to go on too much of a rant. Okay, you know, it's early in the year. Don't go on a rant. But it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, how in the world does it make sense for people to spend money they don't have on stuff they don't need? Let me say that again. That they take money they don't have and they spend it on stuff they don't need. I mean, there are so many wonderful things that you could do if you're bored. You could hang out with people. You could call and say, I'm bored, come on over. You could come to the Y and you could work out. You could volunteer here at the church. We have many things, if you're bored, that we could help with your boredom. We're here to serve, okay? That's what we're doing. But when you recreationally shop, when you're bored, this is what happens. The credit card comes 30 days after your recreational shop, and you look at the bill, and you go, ugh, and then shame and regret wash over you. And at that point, folks, it's too late. The damage has already been done. Now contrast that with what it would look like if you had harnessed some of the power of advanced Decision-making. You're bored. You go, I'm bored, but what I need to do is I need to look at my budget and determine how much I have for shopping for clothing. And so you look, and there you go, and you go down your line item, you're like, $25 a month. That's how much I have for clothing. Now, I realize I just lost about half of you when I used a six-letter word that is almost like a four-letter word. It's called Budget. Because some of you, you're like, whoa, what are you talking about? Man, I'm barely making it. I don't even have enough to breathe, you know. No, no, no. You have some. Everybody has something. And the question is, do you budget it? Now, this is my challenge to you today. If you don't have a budget, the wisest thing you could do this year is to take our Financial Peace University class. That... On February 7th, 10 days from now, at 6 o'clock at the JAR office, you could take it. You can go on the app, and you can sign up for it today. You can go to the resource table. Uh, You can sign up at our website. But you sign up. If you don't have a budget, if you're struggling with debt, don't do it alone, but sign up and take the class. We've had over 60 people take this class over the last three years and they have saved thousands and thousands and even tens of thousands. Some of them, one I'll talk about later, $30,000 since they took the class. And they're out of debt. But when you have a budget, what happens is you make an advanced decision and you say, I only have $25. And this is what you do. You take your credit cards. You put them somewhere where you'll never remember. Okay? And you put them there. And you say, stay. And then you take your $25 in bills and you go and you buy. And whatever you buy, once it's done, you're done. That's all you got. And you come out with a nice shirt and you're like, ah, look at that. Nice shirt, 25 bucks. Yeah, that's it. And there's no drama. There's no regret. There's no shame. There's no guilt. That's advanced decision making. Instead of making a decision in the heat of the moment. And it's the wisest thing, folks. It's the wisest thing you could do. Now, as long as we're talking about money, let me talk a little bit more about Christ followers in particular. Christ followers come to me all the time and they have twin regrets. And here they are. Their two twin regrets are tithing and savings. Rarely does a month pass by that somebody doesn't come to me, and they'll be like, Ah, Chris, I blew it this month. I wanted to honor God first, and I wanted to put some money in savings, but we just went out to eat way too much, and I bought some stuff that I really didn't need, and then we had an emergency in the family, and the end of the month came, and I didn't honor God, and I didn't honor myself by putting some money in savings. And people will feel horrible about this. And this is the thing that I know about everybody in this gym. You have good intentions when it comes to this area of your life. But good intentions, folks, does not equate good actions. All of us can say we have good intentions about something, but where the rubber meets the road is when you have good actions, when you actually follow up on them. You know, one way that many people chose last year in our church to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to give God first, is by automatically making it happen through our JAR app. That you actually can go to the app, you set it up through your banking system, and off the top, whatever it is, the gift that you give, you give it automatically. You can go there, and there is an icon that's on the app page, and you can decide. To honor God and arrange your money in such a way that each month, automatically, it's there. You never have to worry about it. I mean, before you get your grubby little hands on it, because this is what happens. We get our grubby little hands, untrustworthy hands, and we hold on to it. And we just don't make an advanced decision to give to the church that we love and the God that we worship. And then we don't set money aside to go somewhere else where it goes into a savings where we do not touch so that we always have something there. And if you ask anyone who has done our auto, with our automated tools, what they'll say to you time and time again, they'll say, I was never consistent in giving. I just never did. I always thought, well, I just don't have enough. Uh, th- there isn't anything there. And they finally took the step of faith and they did it automated each time where it would go from that and savings, and they changed their life. And they just decided they would would use these automated tools because they weren't disciplined enough on their own, but they thought if this happens, then it becomes a discipline in my life. And they'll say, now I don't feel any regret because I know I've given to God, I've given to my savings, and whatever is left over, I enjoy being able to spend it and have fun with whatever that is. Folks, again, I know all of you probably have good intentions. But sometimes if you don't have discipline, your good intentions are nothing more than just a dream. It never becomes reality. And you'll never get your money to behave. Your money will always act like a disobedient guy, or dis- disobedient dog. Have you ever had a disobedient dog before? You're like, I'm living with one right now. You know what I mean? (laughs) The human kind. No, I'm joking. But they don't behave. You can't get them to behave. And in the same way, if you don't discipline your money, it will never behave the way you want it to. You will never have authority over it. It will always have authority over you. So use the app and some of these disciplines to be able to help with this area of of your life. Now, That's not the only area of your life. There's other areas as well that can help you if you have advanced decision-making. For example, let's say that you're in a dating relationship. What is the best time to decide when you are going to set the boundaries for your relationship that you're dating this person when it comes to the sexual and physical areas? Is the best time... In broad daylight, when you're eating at a restaurant and you can talk to each other and you can pray about it, or at two o'clock in the morning when you're sitting on the couch and you're cuddling up together and the love scene's just getting ready to happen. <laughs> Hint broad daylight. Broad daylight. In a restaurant, in the presence of God, not at two o'clock. In the morning. And if dating couples would make this advanced decision. Because they want to honor God in the midst of it. Regarding their physical and sexual boundaries. There's a greater likelihood that they would remain in a pure God honoring relationship. Throughout their relationship. And God will bless them. What about work? Almost every high performing person that I've ever known. In any job does advanced planning when it comes to their work. They don't just kind of like wats all in, like, hey, I'm here. Pull out their phone. Oh, Facebook, ESPN, uh, HGTV, a little bit of Twitter. Tweet, tweet, tweet. No. They don't walk into work like that, folks. They don't walk in and go, huh wonder what I feel like doing today. Just, just wondering. I mean, and it really doesn't matter whether you work fast food or you work retail or a, a factory floor or in an office. High-performance workers don't do that. They have discipline in their lives. They have self-control, and they plan out their day carefully. And usually they decide to do the difficult, the most difficult thing first. Have you ever heard about that before? You do the most difficult thing first and you go at it until you press through and they make a decision in advance on doing that. And at the end of the day, they feel good about their work day and they leave from work and they go home to their family and they maximize their family time. It's only been in the last three years that I've actually started planning the next day the night before. Did you hear what I said? You plan the next day the night before. I have someone that holds me accountable to this, and I've done so much better. It's this whole concept. You do tomorrow's planning tonight. And so on my little calendar, I take five to ten minutes at the end of my workday, and I'll write down exactly the things that I want to do and accomplish the next day. And this is what I've learned. One minute of planning, folks, is 30 minutes that are saved the next day. One minute. That's what everyone who's done any study will tell you. One minute of planning saves 30 minutes of doing the next day. And when I do that and I leave from work after a day like that where I've advanced plan and I'm driving home, I don't start worrying about, oh, man, I didn't get this done or that done. I'm like, okay, I worked as hard as I could today. I planned it out. Things are going well. And now when I get home, I'm going to be able to celebrate with my wife and my girls and to be dad and father to the best of my ability. Folks, I'm telling you, advanced decision-making is a powerful tool if you can harness its power with you. This next one's a favorite of mine. How about using advanced decision-making or advanced planning when it comes to church attendance? Some of you are like, can you just skip that illustration and like move on? You know, a lot of times uh, people will come up to me after church and they'll be like, Oh, man, that was was such a good message. This was such a good celebration. And I'm like, oh, that's great. And I'm hoping at that time they'll just stop. But many times they don't stop. And then they'll say this phrase, And I almost didn't come today. And I have to put my hands in my pockets because it might be around their neck next, you know. And I try not to go off on them. I try not to, you know, come unglued. But I mean, I just don't get that. I mean, do you sit at home with a coin and you're like, heads, we're going to church, tails, back to bed. Okay, let me do it again. Heads, (laughs) back. And I'm like, what are you thinking? Really? Like, that's how you do it. Folks, if you're a Christ follower especially, participating regularly in a worship gathering is the habit that you form. Our leader, Jesus Christ, made it a practice that weekly when the temple was open, when the church was open, he was there. Luke 4.16 tells us this. Jesus went into the synagogue, his place of worship, as was his, what's the last word? You know what another word for custom is? Habit. As was his habit. Jesus never got a coin and go, oh, let's flip this, you know, and see what we're going to get this week. Oh, heal people go to the temple. No, go back to bed in the mountain, you know? It just didn't happen that way. He didn't ask, do I feel like it? He had an advanced decision. It was a habit. It was Something that he made. Folks, when was the last time that you took seriously this particular discipline in your life? That you said, you know what? If I'm in town, if I'm not working, we're going to be here. Or do you flip coins? Or look at your horoscope? Or look out at the weather? Oh, look, two snowflakes. Okay, we're done, you know. Or, oh man, we were up so late last night. I mean, oh, uh, 1045, man, I just couldn't. Rather you say, you know what, I'm going to make an advanced decision that our family is going to honor God. Especially those of you that have children, the only way they get here is if you bring them. They, they can't bring themselves, folks. The only way they get here is if you bring them. And it's the greatest gift you'll give to your kids for the rest of their life by letting them see that mom and dad honor God when it comes to that. And when it happens, folks, I'm telling you, when you make this happen, there's a payoff. I would never ask you guys to do something if there wasn't some sense of payoff. And the payoff is that as you do this more and more, and you do it through the whole church calendar, not pick and choose, but through the whole church calendar, There will be surprises that God comes and He speaks to you in such a way. And you're like, oh man, I'm so glad I came. I am so glad I came. And pretty soon you're like, I always want to come because God always speaks to me and I'm so glad that I didn't stay at home because I made it a priority. You remember our big idea again? Let's read it out loud together. It'll come up on the screen. Let's say it out loud. Doing the right thing regardless of how you feel in the moment. So at the heart of self-control, of self-discipline, delayed gratification, advanced decision planning, and then one more component is this. Celebrate small victories. That you celebrate small victories. Folks, too much discipline without celebration is a recipe for disaster. I know people who will get so fired up at the beginning of the year, and they make these things, I'm going to get good, I'm going to be disciplined in this area. And then six days, six weeks, six months later, they're just like, I hate my life. I hate my life. And there's no parties, there's no fun, there's no spontaneity. And most of the time what happens is these people just finally give up on whatever they were trying to commit to. Folks, that's not the kind of life that God wants you to have. Jesus was always calling people into a life filled with joy. Not a life in a straitjacket. I mean, Jesus was a person, if you read about his life, he was very disciplined in the core areas of his life, just like you and I should be. But Jesus also had moments where he had mountain walks, And he took boat rides and seaside campfires and wedding receptions and overnight times where he hung out with his friends. So my counsel to you is to have some celebratory victories as you go along, whatever your disciplined area is. I shared with you earlier, I know a couple that four years ago, they said we're done with debt. And they just went ahead and they made a commitment. They took Financial Peace University and they cut $30,000 in debt, and they were debt-free. And I was asking them this week, I said, man, to do that, did you just eat like pork and beans all the time, you know? They're like, no. Every time that we would pay off a particular credit card, we'd cut it up, and then we'd go have a dinner. We didn't have a big high-priced dinner, but we would go eat. We'd go out to eat somewhere. And then just this fall break, they were debt-free. And I said, well... What did you guys do for fall break? They said, for the first time ever, fall break, spring break, we took a whole family, we went vacationing in Florida, and we spent $100 on our dinner. Now, when they said that, I was like, good. It's your money. You're going to spend $100 on a night's dinner? Good. You know why? Because you're debt-free. I know a guy in our church who owns his own business. In the last few months, he's just been hammering at it, doing as much as he can to get through this busy season. And he worked really, really hard because he knew he was going to plan something for the whole family, and they all went to Great Wolf Lodge just a couple of weeks ago. Now, how many of you have been to Great Wolf Lodge? Anybody? Okay, I never have been, so if you want to give a gift to me, uh, you know I'm here for the taking. But my friend told me that when he went there, he was like, it was so great because I'd worked hard, I did that. And he said, now I'm going to go back into another busy season of my life and I'll work hard again until there's another kind of victory that I can celebrate with that. Every person I know that's in recovery, who's dealing with some kind of uh, addiction... Why do they give them something every 30 days? Because they want to motivate them to remember. Keep doing it. And some of my friends who are going through recovery, they'll be like, you know what? I had this gigantic meal at six months because of what God has done. I know someone who's worked really hard at weight loss. And they'll tell me that as they've gone through a period of weight loss and they've got some goals that they have, that they'll celebrate and they'll get some ice cream when they hit a certain mark. And I'm like, like a peanut butter parfait, and they're like, no, that goes back on. <laughs> Just like a small little Sunday, but it means so much because I was disciplined, I celebrate that way. And it keeps them driven to live a healthy lifestyle. Folks, as you work on self-discipline in your own life, as you grow stronger in self-control, remember, remember to celebrate along the way. It will motivate you to keep doing What you're doing. And you do it regardless of how you feel. Well, on Christmas Eve, we had two celebrations here. And then after that, I went home and I watched the uh, Christmas Eve celebration uh, at the Vatican. And there's the Pope. And there was so much pageantry and there was all of this singing and just beautiful. It was so peaceful. And then the Pope, every once in a while, he'd just go like this. It's all in the wrists, folks. It's all in the wrist. But the Pope, he'd, he'd just go like that. And I started thinking about this week. What if, like, I had some papal power? And every time I just went like that, you would just kind of be blessed and do what I said. Some of you are like, man, that's a scary thought, you know. <laughs> but I started thinking about, what if I had that kind of pap- papal power where, You would be disciplined in what that area is. What's the area that I would want it to be in? And I thought about it, and it came down to this. That every single day, you would take 15 minutes, and you would do your daily reading in God's Word, and maybe you'd take a few notes in your Bible, or maybe you'd have a journal that would be right beside you, and you'd write it down. And then at the end of that day, or at the end of your time of that 15 minutes, you just surrender everything to God and you'd say, God, I want to do this day for you and with you. God, I want you to receive glory and honor in my life. So today, God, we're going to do this day for you and with you. When you walked in today, each of you, if you got a program, you received a little uh, discipline plan called 15 Minutes in the Bible. If you could pull that out real quick. And if you didn't get one, if you just raise your hand, we'll get one to you. Um, Or uh, you can get one when you leave today. But at the top, it simply says 15 minutes a day in the Bible. And we've developed the plan for you. You start in Mark, and someone in the first celebration, why Mark? Why not Matthew? Because Mark actually begins with Jesus' life. And so... There's just 20 verses that tomorrow, if you don't already have a plan, here's your plan. This is your advanced decision making that you're making right now. And it takes about five minutes to read through that. And then you take five minutes maybe to, to write something down. Five minutes to kind of pray and you're done in 15 minutes. And so, I was challenged to start thinking about what that would look like if every single person in the jar had an advance plan tomorrow to do this. In this past week, I sat down in this chair, because it's always good to have a real comfortable chair. Okay, Maybe that's your chair, maybe you have a couch, whatever it is, but you find a place that's really comfortable and you sit down and you take it easy. And then you open up your Bible. And if you don't have a plan, I just gave you one that you can start tomorrow. My plan right now is in Genesis. And so on Tuesday morning, I got up an hour earlier than usual. And I read Genesis chapter 26. And as I was reading it, it took me five minutes. But when I got to verse 24, it just kind of highlighted to me. And it said this. Do not be afraid. And... I'd love to say that I don't have any fear. I'm never afraid. I mean, I'm a pastor. I shouldn't be that way. But there are times in which I'm fearful about some things. And this week, I just wrote down in my journal right beside me, God, these are the things that I'm fearful for. God, would you deliver me from these fears? Now, I looked at that next kind of phrase, for I am with you. Have you ever had a moment, maybe a season where you felt like God wasn't with you? That you felt a sense of loss or discouragement? That you were crushed in your spirit? And you're like, where are you, God? I feel alone. And I've been there before. But on Tuesday, I was really sensing in my spirit that um, there was this sense that God was with me. He was present. He was right there with me. In this chair. And I just said, God, thank you so much that you're with me. And then that last little phrase, I will bless you. Do you realize that's why you were created? God wants the best for you, He wants to bless you, He wants to show His love to you. And after 15 minutes, I was just kind of done. And then it hit me. If I could do anything, folks, I would want every single one of you to have moments. Each day that you sat in your favorite chair for 15 minutes and you had a moment with God. I would do anything if I could do that. 15 minutes, whether you feel like it or not, because it could transform your life. Folks, I'd do anything. Is it working? Working. Hey, let's stand. You know, I have a feeling that for some of you in this place today, that God has spoke to you about one area of your life that He wants you to get more discipline in, and this is what I found with it. That if we step out and we're like, God, I want to do this, and then you try to start doing it, then all of a sudden, it'll you know, kind of be like. No, you can't do it. And the evil one will want to say, no, you can't do it. I don't think I have the strength to do it. I need help. And the way we wanted to seal today is by whatever that one thing is that you need more discipline in your life. You can't do it on your own. But God wants to help you. His help is available for you. Let's sing about that help. I lift my eyes up, my outcomes grow. God wants to give you the help, whatever that one thing is, that 15 minutes that you'll spend tomorrow. And next week, we have a New Testament class that if you've never really understood the Bible and you want to grow in that, if you just need a little discipline, we'll be having a class next week and I would strongly encourage you to come and make that a part of your week. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful and so thankful that we made the decision to come today. We didn't flip a coin. We made the advanced decision to come. And God, we were able to celebrate communion today to be reminded exactly what you did on the cross for us. And we listened to your word, God. And your Holy Spirit spoke to us about a growing area where we need more discipline in our life. Thank you for how you are working in your church. Now help us this week, God. And when tomorrow morning comes, we'd find our favorite chair. We'd find a Bible. And we'd read a plan and allow you to speak to us and grow in relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.